Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Guys, I'm nervous to talk to the lesbians. <laughs> you should be. This is going to be more of an interrogation oh, than no. a podcast. Or an elaborate recruitment ruse. Uh-oh. Yes. We love a ruse here at Diking Out Podcast. Oh, no. Well, I'm already <laughs> sitting like a, I mean, no one can see because it's a podcast, mm-hmm. but I'm like at the end of the table, like the first 48 or something. Yeah. Like I'm being filmed from high up. <laughs> but instead of murder, it's latent homosexuality that we're dealing with. This is the first part of a six-part Netflix series where everyone gets to find out at the end if you are turned gay or whatever. Oh my god, Making a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that desperately wants to be sponsored by Vitamix. I'm Carolyn Bergier. <laughs> and I'm Sarah York. We're also lesbians. And today we'll be diking out about straight women with an actual straight woman, Caitlin Fontana. Yay. I, I feel like I need to say that um, I've, I think I'm like 80-20. You think 80-20? Yeah. Um, that was when you met us. <laughs> That's new. When we met Caitlin, she was 100% straight lady, and we've yeah. been slowly bending her into a little rainbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin wrote and directed Francesca, a digital pilot that just aired at Sundance. She was also a writer on Annie's Black and White and a 2017 Bitch List honoree Whoa. for her pilot, Casey Cant. She's also the creator, host, and showrunner of The Box Show, which we both write for and you guys hear all about all the time because we're always talking about it. We love The Box. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I feel like I'm sort of like uh, the the godmother of this podcast because I brought you two together. You are? Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing is because of you. Yeah. And it's just very much like a straight woman to take credit for (laughs) a gay woman's enterprise. That's why you're the only straight woman that we will allow near the Diking Out studios. This yeah. is a quite a distinguished honor, I think. Because we're we're usually afraid of like man cooties getting out. Like we spray mm-hmm. down the bisexuals before they come in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like spraying the the man cooties off of them. Yeah. Um, the hazmat suit was a nice touch, though. When yeah, we had a bisexual in. Yeah, we made Mae Wilkerson <laughs> wear a hazmat suit before <laughs> stepping in. Uh, even though she's pansexual, they're all pansexual oh, yeah. now. It's great. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just a big boring dyke over here. <laughs> Far from it. Exciting dyke. Yeah. So, Caitlin, you just came back from Sundance. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting to us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. What, uh, specifically, anything gay about Sundance? Like, why Why should uh, lesbians or, or gay people or anyone in the queer community be interested in what's going on at Sundance? Like, isn't it all skiing <laughs> <laughs> and movies? Do lesbians not ski? No, no, we don't. <laughs> Do you apres ski? That's We're not the a very part. athletic bunch. Well, some of us are, but not so much in the snow sports. Yeah, I, I was going to say, wait a minute. Athletic we are a very athletic bunch. Is, is our thing, but, mm-hmm. uh, Soccer, but I don't right? know about, yeah, oh, all the 
It's a lot of sweaters There's, at Sundance. I'm sorry, there are a ton of lesbians in hockey, in women's hockey. So oh, many. yeah. In fact, that the beautiful story of the American and the Canadian captains yes. being married now and adopting a baby together. Yes. That beautiful. is very sweet. Or did they adopt or they, one of them gave birth? I can't remember. I do not remember that either, but That's I know nice that story. it was a nice crossing borders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Sundance, so what's what's gay about Sundance? Well, I would say there was only one thing that I did at Sundance that was explicitly gay, or not necessarily explicitly gay, but about um, diversity mm-hmm. of all forms. Uh, Sundance has always been, I'm going to sound like a mouthpiece for Sundance, but Sundance, one of the reasons it was formed was to get Hollywood more diverse, mm-hmm. like from its outset in the 70s, which was kind of a radical idea at the time. And like the very first speech that Robert Redford ever gave was like, we need more women and more people of color, or whatever he said in the 70s, which wasn't people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've come so far? No. I mean, like, <laughs> that's the thing is like our our pilot, which was written and directed by a woman, starring a woman of color, two women of color, um, crewed by an entire female crew. Of which Her. Mm-hmm. Caitlin's request for yeah. my request. Uh, uh, Sarah, you were on that part crew. of that. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, was sandwiched between two white guy, like thirty minute regular old pilots about white men with mother issues who come from privilege. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. But a thing I went to was called the Art and Inclusion Reception, which was specifically targeted to people uh, with disabilities, diverse people, women, people of color. Um, all kinds of filmmakers in that realm. Mm-hmm. And it, that was awesome because it was this beautiful, huge room of like, I just come from like a slightly Hollywood LA weird thing that I yeah. was like, I don't feel good. And then I walked into this room full of like, Oh, all the freaks and queers and beautiful human beings are here. Everyone under the sun. Um, and there was a giant cheese tray in the middle of the room. And I was like, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they had a beautiful um, musical performance that like David Diggs, performed at and it was magical it was just really great and it was just about celebrating difference in cinema Mm -hmm. and the musical performance part was a celebration specifically of african-american films at sundance over the years um and it was just phenomenal it was great and i just thought this is what it should be this is what the whole thing should be um but i think it's getting closer all the time Mm -hmm. and there was definitely a very sincere I felt it was sincere and I was like, am I just drinking the Kool-Aid? But then I read a lot of articles and stuff after that said this This seems like a sincere year for really listening to women and people of color at Sundance um, as it is in Hollywood right now, a big focus. So Yeah, I, I feel like the conversation for a while and just because these are more of the sexy awards, we're getting more actors um, who were women and people of color and telling those stories, but a big piece of it that I think was more s- silent and didn't have as much of a voice was the women behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you are in a position where you're either producing or directing, mm-hmm. you can do things like have more females uh, and w- women on the crew mm-hmm. and um, you know women are more thoughtful into issues of inclusion and yeah. and whatnot. So um, the stats about the lack of women directors specifically yeah. in Hollywood is still very sad, but I'm glad that more people are talking about it now and calling it out uh, yeah. like Natalie Portman did at um, the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here are all the male nominees. Yeah. That, that, was, that was awesome. That was my favorite 
part second to Oprah. Yeah. yeah. And that was right after Oprah, too. She was ballsy for, like... Yeah. She was probably just riding that wave like we all were in that moment. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's the part of Sundance that felt the most queer. The rest of it was aggressively heteronormative. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I really want to go. So that, that's, like, my goals. Like, the entire time you were at Sundance, I was like... Well, this is the thing I think is cool is the category that I was in is a new category called Indie Episodic, which is basically independently produced pilots of all shapes and forms. And there were even some, like I have a friend, uh, dear friend, Chris Roberti, who's a straight man, sorry. Um, (laughs) Then I'll throw his name out the window. Um, (laughs) He had a long form um, like web series, like a full series, a full season Mm -hmm. of a series. And that was also in that same category. So it's pretty flexible. And, you know, the work was good, but I know a bunch of brilliant women um, and people of color who should definitely be producing their pilots if they can and submitting them to this category because it's this new frontier mm-hmm. situation at um, Sundance, uh, along with like a bunch of other cool new stuff like VR and immersive storytelling stuff that's like a little bit different and challenging, which is cool. Tell us about the one VR. <laughs> thing you yeah. mentioned. Oh man. Okay, I did this VR thing. VR means virtual reality. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, wait, wait, wait. Or, you, is that what you, that means? You did it. Yeah. Okay. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. Well, you you don't know what they are unless you do them. I did a bunch of them. Oh, I, okay. I was. I had a friend who had a piece, an immersive piece called Frankenstein AI. That's really cool. Which you should write down because it's going to be a big thing, I think. But um, within they were within the VR area, and there was one. I was waiting. And I was like, this one's three minutes. And I was like, okay, I'll just do this one. I didn't even really look at it other than to see that it was called Dick Girl. Right. <laughs> I, That's D-I-C-K. G-I-R-L. <laughs> Dick, Dick Girl. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, it was just a little room with two seats. And it was me and the producer of Francesca who was like, I love her and we're kind of buddies, but it was weird to do this like sexual thing with her. Um, so we were just like sitting, not right beside each other, but like on the floor on these like beanbag chairs and you put on the thing and the guy's just like, okay, so it's like three minutes long and you'll know it's over because it'll loop again. And I was like, okay. And then he just closed the door and left and I put it on and it was just like this weird like woman robot, like Android shape with a giant erect penis and you are her. So you look down and like she, she becomes you and then you look down and you can like, you have Android breasts and a giant veiny dick. And then this like weird, (laughs) This weird, like, uh, blobby shape comes towards you and you fuck it. And that's, like, what you do for three minutes is just, like, fuck this shape. Wow. So this might be hard for some of you lesbians to understand (laughs) uh, being a woman with a not real penis. Right. Yeah, tell us more about that. Yeah. When you mentioned this earlier, all I could think of was, oh, so you, you had a strap on. I know. Basically. Yeah. Your VR, <laughs> virtual, like, that's, that's all it was. Because yeah. yeah. we are all dick girl sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been dick girl at one point. <laughs> um, Some more or less than others. I actually have very little experience with that in that realm. Yeah, that, that's a future episode. I'm working on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. I don't know. We I mean, have... I'm interested in doing it, obviously, but it's like... They're very expensive, and you got to find the right one. Yeah, yeah. There's no nothing more disappointing than spending like a hundred dollars online, and then you get something, and it's just not the right. You're, it's not the right dick for your dick girl. I'm yeah. a, I'm in talks with a gentleman right now to be his dick girl. Okay. Um, he sent me a picture of his butthole. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I've never got. I've gotten plenty of dick pics, but I've never gotten a butthole before. It's cute. It's cute. Have you yeah. ever pegged a guy before? Um, I've, with my finger. 
but not yeah. with a pet, like not actually. They really enjoy that, don't they? They do. They I've love heard it. from mm-hmm. straight women and well, obviously gay men, but like straight women in particular, that guys like request that often. Yeah, the ones yeah. I trust do. Mm-hmm. Um, any man I've been with who does not like it, I don't end up with them, and I don't know if that's a, a that, direct that's correlation. That's not your litmus test. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my litmus test. But if it's like that, and they also really like three eleven, and um, they grew up in Florida, then those three things overlapping might be a, a red flag. I'll take Possibly. this one. That's yeah. great. <laughs> I might still stay with them for three years. But, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, I'll leave. I guess that lends us to our topic, Caitlin. What's the deal with straight women? What is the deal with straight women? Um, so I, I wanted to uh, harken back to the very first uh, Diking Out podcast, mm-hmm. where I think you guys had a, uh, I said harken, by the way. I just realized <laughs> that. That's a very straight word. Mm-hmm. I would, if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> young woman, I'd like to harken. Um, you guys had a whole conversation about performing, uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. performing, like giving head to a, a dildo. And like, why do why do women do that? And like, do they find it sexy or things like that? Is that oh, right? Do you remember in, what that was? I probably mentioned that I think that, that, was that in porn. Refer- yeah, 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 yeah. That lesbian porn from the limited amount I've seen. Yeah. I say limited because I imagine there's endless amounts. Yeah, <laughs> no we've way. all seen limited. Amounts. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've all seen very limited amounts, comparatively speaking. Uh, but there are. It seems to be a popular thing to have the woman putting her mouth on a big old plastic mm-hmm. and dong. I, the, I take issue with the fact that you guys are both like, well, that's not a thing. Like You both dismissed <laughs> it immediately. You're like, no, that doesn't do anything for anyone except for a man watching that, yeah. which, is, which is possibly true. But I will say I have, as someone who enjoys giving fellatio mm-hmm. um, and likes a dick in my mouth, I'll mm-hmm. say it. Where's the barf sound effect? I need more <laughs> of my sound effects, Sarah. All right, uh, we'll put that in later. That there is some it's fun to um it's fun to play with it's performative sexuality just like other performative yeah. sexualities, you mm-hmm. know? It's akin to I would say um a strap on in terms of like you're performing this act and mm-hmm. it does turn some men on and usually if I'm doing that, I'm also then handing them the vibrator or whatever and being like now use it on me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not just like a thing where I'm like like choking myself with a right. rubber object and then throwing it away. You know, it's like part of I'm the I'm done with this now. <laughs> yeah, it's part of it's part of the um it's part of the foreplay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I do like it. And I know there are some women out there that don't like giving head and bless them. Uh-huh. I love it. I do. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not just yeah. paying a lip service. What? <laughs> To the act, I actually really do. And it took me a long time to figure it out. It's also like, it feels like a challenge in the same way. And it's nice to give your partner pleasure. Right, right. You guys know this. Yeah. Um, whatever that the case may be. You yeah. Know? I'm sure there are some lesbians out there who do that. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. don't think it's as common or maybe... I've had one person a while ago like kind of talk about doing that like yeah. she wanted to do she wanted to basically like blow like a strap on while I was wearing it and mm-hmm. we didn't do that because we did not have one and I didn't want to and um she had a husband so we just didn't really get into like <laughs> oh, shit. a lot of other I don't know like we didn't I don't know she so instead she, she made her husband about, wear a mask yeah. of Sarah's face <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. got it out of her system um she well I guess it was a fiance not a husband now it's a husband um 
No, she just, she liked to talk about all kinds of things she wanted to do, but it was all kind of in theory and not necessarily, right. it wasn't really going to happen. But she was very much into that. And I think maybe a part of that is that she was like, you know, more used to yeah. sex with men. And that's, that was like her. But I remember thinking at the time, like, why the, why the fuck would I want you to do that? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, but. if I was with someone who who I loved and their happiness was important to me and they were like, I want you to put on a strap-on and I want to yeah, like, get, give it head, I'd yeah. be like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. You know, the things you do for love. Yeah. <laughs> the, it's true. The amount of things you squeeze into your mouth yeah. and other places for love. Yeah. Oh, no as shit. As a woman, that's... Oh, as a straight true. woman, Yes. Because um, that's the thing, like, I mean, we dove right into the sexual thing, which is my fault. I'm a very sexual person. That's okay. Um, but being straight is not just about sexuality, obviously, but what's what can be defeatist, and I know you guys have heard this from other box writers um, mm-hmm. and other female friends who are straight, um, it, what sucks about it is if you're a woman with any sort of feminist rudder mm-hmm. is that there's so much that's problematic about men. And if you like mm-hmm. them... And you want to fuck them? It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Do you find yourself having to like basically compromise or like I don't know, like you like putting up with with some of the more problematic elements of his personality or his viewpoints just because you're like, oh fuck it, whatever, you know, like wanting to have sex but also not wanting to be with this problematic person. Like, what sort of compromises do you sort like find yourself making, if any? Um, several long-term monogamous relationships with people I shouldn't have stayed with, <laughs> as previously mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's another dimension to it for me, which is that I am uh, have always been, but I'm recently really exploring my non-monogamous mm-hmm. uh, tendencies. More than tendencies, it's how I want to live my life. And mm-hmm. I think a problem for me has always been um, that on top of... Uh, not fully investing in men as a concept. I'm not, I've also not fully invested in marriage and monogamy and all the patriarchal shit around that. So with that comes a a fair degree of uh, suspiciousness of the person who carries that information in their body, which Mm -hmm. is men. Um, So it has to be like, I've really sort of um, checked in with myself a lot, especially lately about that and I think being part of the box has been a big part of that Mm -hmm. and like we joke facetiously this kind of got serious for a second but like we joke kind of facetiously about like you guys turned me a little bit gay but I think it's more that um my feminism has uh broadened my horizons in the last like five years mostly I would say yeah since moving to the U.S. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not something I had to think about as much in Canada either. Um, and there's that old Gloria Stanham quote about, like, women are the only group that gets more radical as they get older. I think that's part of it, too. Mm. It's like the more you see how shitty it is, yeah, the more you get mad and do something about it or try to. Um, and I think I just realized uh, that while I have loved all of the partners in my life, um, at a certain point we just were at odds. Like mm-hmm. I, they couldn't keep up with me is really what it is. And that sounds braggy, but it's true. It's like, I want specific things and I want to be able to be free. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of our conditioning in this society, especially for men in the toxic masculinity side is like even the most um, free thinking quote unquote good guy has these like 
inner notions of what is right and good and yeah about relationships with women. And as we get older, like I'm approaching 35 and it's increasingly been my observation that men, even though they're like, I love that you're like strong, powerful, a boss, uh, someone who speaks your mind, someone who doesn't bow down to anybody, somebody who is career focused, maybe doesn't want kids or wants them under certain circumstances. The line that gets drawn is, oh, but you maybe want to have sex with other people or you maybe don't want to just be with me and you don't want to be my wife with a capital W. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. Um, And you know, I can't really blame them to a certain extent because it's part of our conditioning. And it's part mm-hmm. of mine too that I've had to undo, like being a wife mm-hmm. has been something that I've had to undo for myself. Not that there's anything wrong with being a wife, Carolyn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, now, I, you know, when you said that uh, you find like a lot of men can't keep up and I agree that men, I don't think are conditioned to keep up with strong women. Mm-hmm. And instead, women have been conditioned to meet men deep, deep, deep down where they are. (laughs) (laughs) Meet in the middle if you're lucky, but more Uh, than likely, yeah, yeah, meeting way down. Yeah, and and making those compromises. Though, you know, uh, as as lesbians, sometimes uh, Sarah and I have had to make compromises dealing with the worst parts of women, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. like having to go to brunch, you know, (laughs) just having to be party to that. And it's, you know, really terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Ask myself, like, what are my values? Yeah. Right. Is this worth love? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think it's been interesting to listen to you guys talk about, I think Carolyn, you, you said it in a really direct way once about never having to feel the threat of sexual violence. If you don't date men, mm-hmm. which is an, another interesting kind of aspect to it, as someone who now dates widely in the in the male community uh, and dates in the non-monogamous community, I'm much more likely to trust a man who's already married and in an open marriage than I am to trust a single man. I've noticed recently, yeah, which I is can interesting. See that. that makes sense because he's someone who's already like accountable to a partner and yeah. like isn't going to do something crazy because mm-hmm. in theory, like that's kind of, I don't know. I'd, I would just, I would, I would probably feel the same way. Like, Oh, this guy has, you know, like a stable life to go back to. He's not going to ruin that by killing me. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's a weird way to think about it, but it's like, yeah, yeah maybe that would, that kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Someone who's already used to being like a partner to someone mm-hmm. might make a great sexual partner, you know, in that sort of no strings attached kind of way. Yeah. No, it, that that's definitely a, a form of lesbian privilege, I guess. That <laughs> uh, that we don't worry about our personal safety um, in terms of the the partners we're with, for the most part. And mm-hmm. again, not saying that it definitely uh, exists. Abuse, oh, sure. yeah, yeah, abuse definitely exists. Uh, physical abuse and lesbian relationships, but uh, not as much. And not where you're fearing for your life mm-hmm. most of the times. And I know that like Lifetime movies, um, the lesbians are always murderers yeah. or they end up dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one or the other. But but it's something I don't think about. And I was trying to get my mom to date online. And there was a lot of resistance to it. And she kept saying, like, I don't want people to – I don't want to meet these people and have them know where I live. I don't want these strangers in my house. And my mom, if you meet someone in a bar versus meeting them online, like, yeah. it's the same risk that they're going to kill you. But, mm-hmm. like, I never really thought, like, mm-hmm. oh, no, this is, like, a real 
fear, especially yeah. for uh, an older woman who's uh, in her 60s but looks a lot younger, mm-hmm. mom, if you're listening. And uh, <laughs> she's a catch. If anybody has um, a is. single dad, um, Dottie is on the prowl. Um, <laughs> Dies on the Prowl is an album title (laughs) in my future. (laughs) But but for real, if I think about it too much, it it does make me really sad because I I would be horrified, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like wondering, can you trust this person? Can you trust that this person isn't rapist, doesn't have a violent Mm -hmm. past? Like a lot of sociopaths are very charming. Yeah. You know, a lot of abusive people, it's like in Big Little Lies, it's the... Mm -hmm. The hot guy with a nice smile. I mean, that's my dad. So there's there's that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's, that's a whole layer of things too. When you are a straight woman, is you carry all this information about your own father into relationships too. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying like I don't know if that happens to you guys with your fathers or your mothers. I don't know if that happens, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, I I have some a couple of my dad's shitty qualities that I have <laughs> to sort of always battle right. in my relationship. Um, I have a bit of a temper and like I, I sometimes say things that I really, I don't know. I have, a, I, I've got, I've, I've worked on that, but yeah. instead of, I guess approach, you know, like when you talk about dad issues, a lot of people just think about like the straight woman dating guys who reflect the shitty parts of their dad. But yeah. in my case, it's more, I am that person sometimes and mm-hmm. I have to constantly make an effort to not be that person. Right. So. Yeah, I think it's interesting that now I'm I'm finding myself attracted to situations like this, <laughs> like the guy that wants me to fuck him with a strap on, mm-hmm. where uh, like reclamation of power becomes a big principle, yeah. not just sexually, but it's definitely a part of the reflection of it. Um, and I like I also know that because I did some research on this for something that I was going to do a while ago and I didn't end up doing, but. Um, BDSM Mm -hmm. goes way up in times of like societal strife and what it usually reflects is like when women or other marginalized people are losing power, men are attracted to BDSM more as almost like they're paying for Really? What's going on in society in this interesting way? Okay. Um, and that there's like spikes of it during, like, say, the Reagan administration was a big spike in BDSM and specifically like men looking to be dominated by women. Um, so I think all that stuff, sexual power play stuff, is very interesting too. Yeah. Why don't they just give us all their money? I mean, yeah. I know they're giving some people money, <laughs> yeah. but if they're, if yeah. you're a man and you're feeling bad about the way things are, just give us money. We all have like Venmo just, like, or hand PayPal. Us cash. Yeah. Yeah, hand us cash. Hand us cash. That's fine. (laughs) Well, I briefly dipped into the sugar daddy community for that very reason, but it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the only reason that uh, I could see. I could why a woman would want to be with a man is a sugar daddy. That's. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the sugar daddy thing looks like. Oh wow, this would be such a great way to earn money, and then you realize how much work it is. It's kind of like having an Airbnb in your apartment. Like, yeah, totally. Well, like, but you the could Airbnb make all this is money. You. Yeah, it's your body. <laughs> so our uh, past decking out guest Sydney Washington has a story that she tells on stage about uh, she actually went on a date with this really old, rich, <laughs> white man, mm-hmm. and he took her out to a nice restaurant, and everybody thought she was a prostitute mm-hmm. uh, because she's so young and just gorgeous mm-hmm. and stunning, and uh, and then she went back to his place, and then he just, like, took his pants off and wanted her to suck his dick, and she's like, no, 
<laughs> she's like, I'm nope, a lesbian. Bye. I'm not gonna. <laughs> and he's like, What? I wish Amazing. I could get away with that. Yeah, I think she was just trying to see, you know, how far yeah she could get without yeah. having to do anything. That's I, great. I did one of those where it was like this foreign guy. Foreign guys love me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. I think because I'm like brassy. Yeah, you know, I think like, like that. American men don't want you to talk. <laughs> the Trumps of the world. They're like, just shut up and be. <laughs> be a Melania um, but like foreign guys were like ooh I like your sense of humor and and your body or your curves or whatever that tends to be more of a thing too with European men they're more into like okay. the, the butt and the, the boobs I've noticed mm-hmm. which of which I have both of those uh, <laughs> uh, I have a butt and boobs stop the presents um, but I was supposed to go on a date with him to his hotel like just go straight to his hotel and mm-hmm. I was like this is kind of risky but I like I was like, ah, I'm going to try it. Yeah. I also get a little thrill from like, oh, semi-anonymous uh, encounters. Um, so I was ready to go and I like had a dress and I had stuff going on that night. And he was like, he kept delaying it because he was in like some sort of crazy international finance meeting. And that's why he was here. And it was going late into the night because it was like people from all over the world in this call or whatever. And he just kept delaying it, delaying it. And then finally he was like, well, I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to work out. And I had sort of waited around. But I really, I just like had like a ding moment. And then I exaggerated how much I had waited. And oh, yeah. That I had to pay for my own dinner. And I was so sad because I was so excited to meet him. And uh, he was like, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, send me money. And he sent me 150 bucks. <laughs> and I never had to look at his face or touch him or meet him or anything. why can't I just do that? Like, uh, that sounds so great. But it was emotionally, like, it was exhausting. Right, it was it like is. a whole night of communicating. And, like, yeah. Yeah. and I'm just impatient at the end of the day. I actually met a nice guy through that. That We go for dinner and t- chat every once in a while. But that's it. It's like, he doesn't yeah. give me money. Which he just, like, pays for dinner. Which is nice, too. That is nice. Um, and, Yeah. Like he's, we have sex and it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like we forged a genuine connection first. Like it was really no different than any other kind of dating setup in the end. That's um, true. And that's what I'm appreciating about that. I used to like be like no to the apps, and I'd, yeah. Recently, I just disconnected all of them because I was getting annoyed. But I might go back. But I like that there are apps now that are specific. Like there's one called Field, which is for just sexual encounter stuff, mm-hmm. and you just say everything you're into in your profile. And I find that very refreshing. Yeah. And like I've connected with a few people through it that I, including butthole. Uh, butthole guy. Butthole guy. Yeah. Um, who I actually like like and have like a nice yeah. vibe with. But you skip all the like, oh, will we, won't we, ooh, touchies, <laughs> whatever. You already know you're going to f- have sex probably. Right. And you already kind of know what the other person's about. I like that. To me, that, that works for me. Yeah. So all of this is just like discovering, but I think it takes, I mean, I don't want to assume anything, but based on my conversations with you guys and my other lesbian friends, I have so many lesbian friends, <laughs> um, that I think it takes straight women longer to kind of discover our own sexuality outside, our sexuality and our identity in relationships outside of what's expected yeah. of mm-hmm. us by society. Because there's so, so much of that narrative that's just crammed, like it's, it's just pumped into our heads for forever and ever and then we kind of get to escape a little bit from it because nobody knows about what we do so there's like "Ah, they can go off and do their own thing but we'll still like push this kind of heteronormative like traditional courtship marriage kind of narrative Mm -hmm. on straight women which is really unfair straight people in general but yeah I feel like we sort of like people don't really no one really asks about 
no one asks about our sex life and no one really wants to know about it sometimes, like amongst the straight people, like mm-hmm. friends and everyone. So we just kind of get, do our own thing, I think, sometimes, yeah. you know, like. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know. When I was in college, I had a lot of curious Georges about my <laughs> sex life, yeah. wanting to know <laughs> the, the Georges details or of Georginas that. or both. Yeah. <laughs> um, more Georges, but then I think when people grow up and they realize that it's not polite to ask yeah. the lesbian you just met how she has sex, uh, that a lot of my friend, you know, my friends don't ask me about my sex life. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm married, and I wouldn't talk about sex right. with my wife mm-hmm. in detail. But in the past, you know, they would never ask me about that kind of stuff. Where mm-hmm. I felt like I always knew more about them yes. and their sex yeah. lives. Yeah, because straight women will share that information because they all talk, like, they all want to know together. And then we're just kind of sitting here like, I just have to listen to this, but I don't, I'm not going to participate in the conversation. It was always a very one-way thing where, Mm. like... Other than a friend who asked me where her clit was. (laughs) Well, where her own clit was? Where her own... So she took her... (laughs) She took her fingers and went in a V-shape and was like, if this is my vagina... I'm like, Where well, we're that? already starting like, off bad. Oh, yeah. boy. And then she's like, is my clit here? And I'm like, oh, boy. Um, and then she also um, wasn't sure if she had had an orgasm. And she's like, it kind of has, it's a burning sensation, right? Mm. I'm like, no, 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 no it's no. not. That's having, well, mm. she may be describing, I remember my early sexual encounters I was like what is that and I think sometimes it was like you had to pee while you were having sex and you couldn't oh, like okay. dis- it's a hard distinction sometimes yeah I think it's interesting too I've I've encountered um, I just assumed totally wrongly that women loved to, like straight women I guess mostly um, love to talk about sex and a lot of them don't and I've had to sort of uh, especially now in this whole era mm-hmm. Of me too. I felt a little culpable at times for the conversations I've initiated with people yeah. where I've made them sort of, uh, not made them, but I've like initiated a conversation about sex with people that I'm close to. And some people are not that comfortable with it and they just kind of go quiet. And I've like realized over the years that I'm making them do something that they don't want to do. And because I'm an aggressive woman too, I've had a few instances uh, where I've like not not super aggressive, but I've assertively said to men, like, I'm interested in you. And most men are down. Yeah. And then there's been one or two that have been like, I'm not, please don't, this is really scary. Don't, please don't bother me. <laughs> and I've, so I've had a taste of like yeah. what it's like to be on the other side of that. 
Um, which has been really interesting as a woman who's been assaulted and who's had right. encounters. I'm like, oh, okay. I see how this works, this power dynamic. You think you're, why would anyone ever say no? Like you're offering free sex. Like why would someone turn that down? Right. Because um, the assumption is that all men want it. So that's another way that I think it kind of works. The toxic masculinity, patriarchal yeah, stuff works Because that's kind men. of what I assume. And I know that that's obviously not correct. And that's a very like kind of ignorant way that I, uh, I just assume that men are like these mindless yeah, you know, they just want to hump everything, and that's obviously not true. But well, I don't when, know, when we talked about performative masculinity, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, a lot of men do feel pressure to be that, yeah. like, or oh, to act that way. Yeah, sex is available to me. I guess I have to. It's kind of like the same way when there's like free pizza at the office. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess I have to eat it, right? Yeah, right. yeah. It's also, I think it's also interesting because it, even though I'm like, I have sympathy for these men. And I will say, like, I've been with multiple men who have hang-ups about sex. Like, they get in their own head a lot more than you would think. Like, you'd think Mm -hmm. it'd be the other way around. And for me, that's not the case. I'm, like, very free and freeing. And part of that is, like, I I can't believe I'm talking about this on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Biologically, I've always responded well to sex. Like, I am someone who has an orgasm from penetration. Uh, I am one of those mythical women. Yeah. Uh, so call me, boys. <laughs> and 20% girls. Yeah. Um, but like, so I've never felt the, at least physically, like a hang up in that regard. But I've met a, a lot of the, my male partners have had like various, you know, sex act related things. Anxiety. Anxiety, mm-hmm. yeah. And I found it really interesting over the years to kind of Do you like, think it was more of them in general or them being with someone like you who's so free and confident? Good question. I don't know. Mm. I think also it's it adds to next your- week on the podcast. <laughs> we'll be having Caitlin's ex boyfriends. Oh God. Um, yeah. No. It's interesting too because I feel like then I feel bad for them and then I get mm-hmm. mad because I'm like another thing I have to fucking emotionally take care of for you mm-hmm. is this. After everything else, too, I have to make you feel okay yeah. about your career Let's and your get life. Let's into that, and- the emotional labor mm-hmm. of being with a man. Mm-hmm. What's it like to be a girlfriend <laughs> and a mom? Yeah, I mean, so part of it is, is uh, you know, growing up, again, like you, it takes a long time to unlearn. It's less about yeah. learning and more about unlearning. So I feel like it took me until up to and including my last relationship, which with which just ended last year, um, to really unlearn a lot of the ha- bad habits I'd formed of like peacekeeping and trying to keep people happy in my life. Um, you know, daddy issues mm-hmm. and whatnot, same kind of stuff that we all do. But um, again, being someone who is driven and focused and like likes to be in the director's seat, likes to be a bit of a boss. I think I established that relationship with men early in our relationships. Like if they're like, I'm sad because I didn't get that thing. I'm like, well, how are we going to fix it? Come on, let's mm-hmm. do it. And I, in that way of create, I create the situation where they're constantly dependent on me to lift them up Mm -hmm. when they've fallen down. And sometimes it's because they genuinely need it and I'm happy to provide it. And sometimes it's because they're used to being taken care of by their mothers or their past girlfriends or whatever. And they've been able to kind of keep this rhythm going. Usually it's a combination of the two. And we all have those moments where we need to lean on someone, um, but it gets very taxing when that gets bound up with everything else that a relationship mm-hmm. is about with a person. When it gets bound up with romance and sex and future planning and living together and 
and, and. And so I feel like that happens more in straight relationships because it does mirror girlfriend, mommy, you mm-hmm. know, boyfriend, daddy. Yeah, like, like mommy issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all of a piece. Um, and it, I think it, from my outside perspective, like, look, I know relationships are hard no matter who's relationshiping mm-hmm. one, one another. Um, do you hear that sentence? I have a master's <laughs> degree. Uh, who, who, no matter who's involved in the, in the pairing or yeah. the multipling, yeah. as it may be, um, there's always complications and people are people and whatever. But I do think there's a specific dynamic to straight relationships that requires, uh, you know, a lot of like pulling apart of your own hangups to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. now I'm the thing about it is it's it's harder. It's just like anything. It's harder to be the person I've chosen to be now. It's harder to be someone who it would be very easy for me and has been easy in the past to just fall into monogamous straight relationships where people are together and they live together and they're almost married or basically married or whatever and I've had many versions of that and I always get itchy mm-hmm. because it's not it doesn't feel healthy to me. It feels, I feel like sad and lonely and scared and like I'm giving in instead of like excited and happy. Even if it's someone that I love, I feel like I'm giving in. Mm -hmm. So that, I don't think that would have happened to me as much if there wasn't this pressure of one man, one woman, you get married, you have kids, you do all the stuff. Um, So I feel like I've had to take this kind of journey of, when I f- was first talking to a friend of mine, a gay man, about it, um, he was like, I was like, I don't know, should I tell people in my life I'm doing this thing? Like, I'm going into this non-monogamous phase? Should I tell my mom? And he was like, yeah, but be prepared for her to be weird about it because it's kind of like you're coming out in a certain sense. It's mm-hmm. like a different, and not to take anything from that narrative because I absolutely do not. No, it's okay. No, no. Do you want a parade or something? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but I just want to be in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I totally deserve that. You know, oh, that's great. You can have a parade as long as it opens with dykes on bikes. Yeah. Oh. We just request that we open every parade. <laughs> oh, Lord. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's it's a different, it's a weird different choice. It's like hard to yeah. explain. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's all I meant. Sorry. No, <laughs> no that's no. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Giving what the straight woman a hard time. It? Yeah. She hasn't quite wrapped her mind around it yet. Mm-hmm. Um I, is she I, one of those moms that's like, but my grandkids, am I no, getting grandkids? No, okay. not at all. I mean, that's what's interesting is like she basically raised me to be this person who's like, fuck this. Like, I'm not mm-hmm, putting yeah. up with this shit anymore um, in many respects. But at the end of the day, she still also is my mom and worries about me. And I think she's always just worried that the things that I do in my life make my life hard for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the thing that she's, she's like, well, if you just had a regular, like... She's an actress. She's an improviser. She came from that background. She like loves comedy. She got me into comedy. But she's like, you know, but if you had a regular job, it would be easier. You'd have more money. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I know you love New York. She's the one who taught me about New York. She's the one who made me excited about New York. But if you lived in Canada, it'd be easier. Like, so there's that bit of a duality there of like, she made this happen, but then she also was like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think she'd do all those things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I tried to explain it the first time I tried to explain it. I was like, you know how Tilda Swinton has, and I don't know why I thought this would make it more relatable. (laughs) Tilda Swinton has like an older lover and a young, like she has an older male lover and a young male lover. And she like, Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Cool. She openly talks about being in a relationship with both of them. Wow. Um, 
and it's yeah, it's open. She and just gets cooler. I know. And cooler. I know. And, and that's she why has I was that like, like sweet undercut haircut. She's like, yeah, she's Wait, awesome. I don't know. Wait, what? I she said that, that, but why? She, why do the, two men make her cooler though? That's oh, I don't know. I, I mean, why I think I there's something was... very empowering about that about yeah. having like openly having these two relationships, and obviously okay. each of these men serve some different emotional or physical purpose for her, and that's, yeah. I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. precisely. That's the life yeah. I'm going for. You know, yeah. that's the life I'm trying to create for myself. Uh, and. I tried to explain it to my mom and I like tried to tell her some of the lingo and stuff too, which is like <laughs> primary is like your main person when mm-hmm. you're in a monogamous relationship, but not everyone has a primary. There's like, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different stuff. And she was basically like, okay, but just like, you know, once you figure it out, like <laughs> just be with somebody. Yeah. It was like, yeah. It was like loving, there's always but, that return to normalcy that they want, like yeah. that pendulum swing back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can um, see that. She also, I was just telling her about like various things that had happened in my life recently with men. And she's like, you make men very emotional for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess, oh, I guess that's God. true. I guess that's true. Do you find yourself dealing a lot with men who are more emotional than like the men, like the way that men are sort of characterized as being these emotionless mm-hmm. people, like men that are more in touch with their femininity in, in some ways or... Yeah, I think that's part and parcel of being involved with a lot of men in the arts, mm-hmm. comedy especially, and actors, of which I've dated many, mm-hmm. um, too many. Um, but they're right there. It's easy. Right. It's like that Chappelle joke about like busy men fuck who's close to them. Yeah. It's like that's what I do. I just open the door and I'm like, man, right here, man, right here. Right. When I look across the pit on any given night, I'm like, well, all the dicks I've loved are here. Uh, but... The pit yeah. is the people's improv theater. Yes. Oh, yeah. For those unaware, that's where I do performances and it's comedy. It's not a rock quarry outside of Our New German York City. fans, yeah. <laughs> Kaylin's not just in this empty <laughs> basin of land. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I always think of, too, like the, the, um, the like shitty dance club at my university was called The Pit, also. Ah. Mm-hmm. Like with the place where you would get assaulted, right. <laughs> was, was The Pit. Hey, sounds like the pits. sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Um, but yeah, did what did what was the question? Oh, that like to that? men who like the men that you tend to find yourself yeah. in encounters mm. with are yeah. they more kind of your like machismo like man's man guys are more kind of a little bit more fragile or maybe a little bit more like mm-hmm. I don't know. The I don't best know the word. ones. I mean, the best one who I can't be with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best one. Is has found the sweet spot of that. Mm-hmm. Like, totally in touch with every part of himself that is feminine, masculine, whatever. Understands that it's all a fucking lie at the end of the day. Yeah, that all of it is a, co- a construct. the The worst ones are the ones who want to feel that but haven't broken through yet and are defiantly angry at themselves for it. And mm-hmm. then that anger lashes back on you. Um, and I've had a few of those mm-hmm. who like seem to be quote unquote good good guys, but once you dig deeper into the layers of them, they they can't deal. And I've had everything on that spectrum from like stoic, unemotional Scottish men to mm-hmm. overly emotional Italians, and everything in between on the white guy scale, yeah. and a few non-white <laughs> guys in there for good yeah. measure. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's it's yeah, masculinity is a hell of a drug. Is is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It is, and it and it hurts. Like I know we kind of repeat that a lot, just as feminists in general, about how 
patriarchal constructs are so damaging to men as well. But it, I just think it bears repeating so many times. Like it, we're not just like screeching about the patriarchy and how it affects women, but mm-hmm. the the effects that it has on men always come back to women at, yeah. at the end as well. So it's like this 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 circle of bullshit mm-hmm. that starts with men and then comes around and ends with women. That's kind of how I look at it. Is like the, this machine of patriarchy is so damaging for everyone. Yeah, and when men aren't allowed to express emotion or you know, they're not allowed, they're not allowed to do so many things, but they like, they police each other about it. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Well, women do too, right? And yeah. We see, yeah. Especially white women. Yeah. Um, there's so much of that and like that's, and there's so much falling into, I mean, look, again, it would be so much easier to be just um, like in fucking small town, wherever, mm-hmm. or not even, whatever. Oh yeah. Married allowing my husband to be the breadwinner, being the mom, being the whatever. And there's, you know, there's no part of me that wants that. There's part of me that wants my own version of it. Um, But what's easier about it is you're succumbing to the patriarchy as it stands. And then that way you're not as tired all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think Mm -hmm. we all at this table are tired all the time because you're constantly, to be constantly pushing back against the overwhelming that's been put in motion for years. It's easier to just kind of spin with the other parts than to try to spin in the opposite direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I'm sad now, I'm sad because I'm, uh, you know, a little bit lonely because I haven't found that person yet, but it's a different kind of sadness than the like passive sadness of like, well, I just gave up. Right. Mm. So for me as a straight woman, that's the way I'm coping with being straight (laughs) is, (laughs) I, I need it to be defined exactly the way that I want it to be. And I think that that's happening with more and more women. Um, yeah. And why more women are embracing their queer aspects, um, which were probably always there, but had been, you know, they submerged them in favor of trying to do it an easier way or in favor of trying to um, just make choices make sense to them or whatever. Yeah. And I think now the conversation is broadening a bit, which I think is cool, but it doesn't make it any easier on a day-by-day level to like deal with it. And look, I'm not saying woe is me. I love men. I do. Mm-hmm. I like to have sex with them. There are a lot of great ones and I enjoy them very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I can't let them dictate the life that I lead. Right. Um, and I will probably never, never be married, which would sucks because it would be a lot easier for me to live in this country if I married somebody. True. Yeah. You want to get married, Sarah? Sure. Let's okay. do it. <laughs> Red right on. Right on. So to, to wrap this up, I want to quote a song um, that you, you can answer the question within it. Uh, I believe the lyrics go, men, what are they good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's it? Song. Okay. That's song. Um, they are absolutely good for uh, penises. Mm-hmm that I like to touch and put in my mouth and inside me. Um, They're absolutely good for uh, their faces and beards, which I like. Mm -hmm. Um, And their butts. I love little man butts. They do have little butts. You don't see a big man butt very often. No, not Always very small. Mm -hmm. They're cute. Um, A good Scottish man in a kilt is is nice. I like that. they, I like to, I like the deepness of their voices and I like to listen to them talk. I like to be held yeah. by men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I like, uh, I think little boys are cute. 
Yeah. Totally separately from the... Right, right, right. <laughs> so mm. Put the wide gap between all the uh, previous <laughs> thoughts and this one. Yeah. Um, when I worked at a summer camp, I always thought little boys, because they're so sweet and they haven't like figured out... The world hasn't broken them down yet. Right. Mm-hmm. They're cute and There like, is something innocent. particularly innocent about little boys who have not been completely polluted yet by mm-hmm. the patriarchal construct and the these arbitrary expectations that are, you know are just around the corner just from being the placed corner. on them. Mm-hmm. I know. I've only... I have a finite amount of years to love my nephews until yeah. they just become monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Inevitably. But they're less likely to become monsters because you're around, which is cool. Oh, of course. They yeah. have cool lesbian aunts yeah. that are going to yeah, tell them do. all about the my dangers of the patriarchy. Do, yeah. yeah. It's it's hard to think about that and it's kind of scary cuz I'm like, ugh, I can see my 10-year-old nephew is like he's cute and he plays sports and you can tell he's kind of starting to get into that like I'm a tough boy. I don't want to cry, kind of thing. And yeah. it's like, oh, don't, don't. Everyone stop teaching him that. It's okay to cry, you know? Yeah, I know. It makes me sad. It makes me worry. And I'm like, what is he going to, I don't know. I just, I worry so much for that first time that he feels pressure to like be this man and he's mm-hmm. just a little boy. So my nephew cries a lot, but he's two. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but maybe he'll be okay. He cries a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'll probably be okay. okay yeah. Um, yeah, I think the whole thing with that too is just like, uh, kids are going to go through all kinds Mm -hmm. of shit too. And the important, like we ended up okay because we forged our own way at some point or another. Yeah, We made a decision to forcefully assert ourselves. Yeah. Probably several thousand little decisions over the course of our lives. (laughs) And all you can hope is that, you know, you know, my three, my four closest male friends are on my improv team and they're all completely different males. Yeah. But all of them are excellent people and they and it came to be in several several different ways. Yeah. And so that's all I can hope for is that the boys of tomorrow are gonna be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> if and they get a chance ha- and I, to be I find myself like whispering the names of the men in my life who are actually good, much like Aria talked <laughs> Reverse her Aria? hit list. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a few and I've told them that and it's like one of them listened to this podcast and he's awesome, but they're having a kid soon. And like, it's just, it's, it's so hard to resist that whole, like when people say, well, you just hate men. It's like, no, I don't. I, I am extremely critical of them, Mm -hmm. but it's so shitty when people think that feminism is immediately anti-man because it's Mm -hmm. really not. We're just sort of looking at them through like, you know, we're just a little bit more critical. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's it. We're just not yeah. giving a fucking pass for everything. I was yeah. going to say, we hold them to some sort of standard, yeah. which they're Any not used standard. to. Yeah, like why is a this standard. so radical? It's yeah. so infuriating. I think about it constantly. Mm-hmm. A standard of mutual respect? Yeah. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. what? No. Makes us bra-burning. Yeah, well, whatever. Dyke faces. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, I'll do the hard work of the blowjobs and stuff. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys just keep doing you. And each other. Not each other, each other, but like <laughs> other women. It's not that kind of podcast. Yes. Other women, other women. Your wife and Will do. Marissa. Yeah. Uh, so we like to end the podcast with a random question. And because we are a studio full of feminist energy, mm-hmm. uh, who is your first feminist icon that you can remember? Ooh. I'll go first while okay, you please. ladies think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Madonna. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I was drawn to Madonna at a very early age. I was fascinated by her. And to me, she just represented this 
woman who was powerful and I just always remembered the express yourself video and her mm. wearing that kind of suit both her like bra sticking out mm-hmm. and it was like not making excuses for wanting to be sexual not making excuses for blurring the lines of masculine and feminine mm-hmm. uh, speaking her mind and getting really uh, torn apart by critics and both not letting it get to you, but then also letting it get to you and letting people know that, you know, you're, you're a human and that it's not right, but not letting that defeat you. Mm -hmm. And at an early age, I was able to absorb all of that and just think that she was just a superhero that Mm -hmm. to me taught me that, uh, that I don't have to be this polite young girl that has to be scared of being, uh, mm-hmm. Not that I was like a sexual person by <laughs> any. Oh God, I was so <laughs> such a prude for so long. Uh, but I like the fact that she wasn't. Right. Like, yeah. Anyway, that's mine. I, when I was a kid, I used to. Well, this isn't really a feminist icon so much as like a fictional character that I felt was so powerful in just her in in just the little ways that I felt like she sort of subverted some of the more feminine. That counts. Yeah. yeah. So, but. Um, Detective Olivia Benson from (laughs) from Law and Order SVU. Like, not only did I have a huge crush on her, but I thought you were going to say strawberry shortcake, and I was really (laughs) I don't I don't even know who that is. Um, Yeah, the way she like the way she like she wore a suit and she was like in charge and Mm -hmm. she was smart and assertive and like she was fucking knocking dudes out and yeah and just like God, she was just so fucking cool and so hot and I was like I. I didn't realize consciously at the time that I like was attracted to her, but I was very much like I wanted to be her. First, I wanted to be her, and then later in my life, I was like, "She is fucking hot." Yeah, and was more of like I had a crush on her. But yeah, I just loved like that whole persona, and I've seen her in person a couple times, and she's real, real sexy. Mm. But anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> no, so it's, it is the point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, I'm like trying to think in the realm of pop culture and stuff, like I was always super into, I was a music journalist before, I was always super into music, pop pop world people, but mm-hmm. like I was suspicious of the overtly pop people. So I was like not into Madonna at first, like in mm-hmm. retrospect I am, but I was like suspicious of her. I was like, what's she selling me? Yeah. Which is a very like, I was like a little yeah. kind of mini riot girl. So um, I don't know. It's funny. I like, I think a lot about Courtney Love in this moment, mm-hmm. just as someone who kind of like, didn't give a shit mm-hmm. and like literally was accused of murdering her husband and was like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, and just was this brilliant kind of ragged rock and roll star. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really branded on my soul a little bit. I'm just but- laughing because I just remembered that Molly Shannon on SNL did the Courtney Love mm-hmm. show. And I totally forgot that existed until now. Yeah. But is one of the funny. It's really funny. She like counts her bruises. She's like, let's let's count my bruises. One, two. It's really great. Um, yeah, that she was just sort of badass and didn't like write like live by the rules of yeah. the world. Um, and then secondarily, I would say my grandmother. Cool. Uh, it's I know that's it's like cute, but she was just, she was someone who um, she was born in a fucking dirt house in the prairies in mm-hmm. Canada. She lived through the flu of 1918 and her blood, what? yes, as a baby. Oh, man. And her blood carried the vaccine so that like 
five years back when the H1N1 was going around, they were able to use her blood to help create the vaccine for H1N1 because it was the Whoa. closest strain to like she's that that alone. She's literally like a superhero. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know the flu of 1918 was a thing. Oh, it was What's a big that? one. It killed okay. a lot of people. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was a big, big flu that killed a lot of people. And she like lived in a dirt house in the in the coldest part of Canada and like survived the flu as a baby. Um. And then just was this amazing woman who you know worked when no women worked, mm-hmm. um, was like equal to my grandfather and he died pretty young. Like I was six when he died and people would be like, Oh Ruby, you're such a catch. You should get married again. She's like, Nope, I had a husband and that she was single like longer, like for the next 30 years of her life. Wow. She was just like a single and she traveled everywhere. Well, that's into what my her grandma 90s. did. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my grandfather died of lung cancer. I think the year I was born, or the year after, and she was like, well, that's done. And I, I mean, of course <laughs> yeah. she like, yeah, I'm sure she missed him. I don't know. I guess she never told me she missed him. But then she went and traveled the world and yeah. went to like Egypt and China cool. yeah, and all too. these countries and never remarried and never seemed lonely and lived in her own apartment in France mm-hmm. until the day she died. Just, uh, yeah. Just, yeah, just being a badass. My grandmother was like never sick until she was, and then she like died pretty quickly thereafter. But she was also just like this community figure and went to hockey games and was like known as a fan. Like when she was in the hospital, the hockey team came to visit her. Wow. Um, because she was such a big deal in the town. And like she had, she'd always be like, Me and the little old ladies are going to brunch. And like, meanwhile, all those women were at least 20 years younger than her. <laughs> uh, That's and she great. drove well into her 80s, this old Chrysler van, like yeah. this eight, 1981 blue Chrysler van. She was just like, you know, made her own way in the world. And I'm so appreciative of that because mm-hmm. she was like just a great role a good model. good example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Caitlin, where can people see your work or? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I just redid my website. It's fancy now. CaitlinFontana.com. K-A-I-T-L-I-N-F-O-N-T-A-N-A. And Twitter? And Twitter at CaitlinFontana. Awesome. Um, those are good places. And the box. The come box. See, yeah, come see the box. the box. Check out the box everywhere. Yeah, please. On YouTube, on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Come see our next show. And we'll be tweeting and, of course, promoting it on the podcast. And, of course, you can also follow us on Diking Out everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, dikingout at gmail.com with your questions. Um, if you're a guy and you are interested in Caitlin Fontana <laughs> and meet the the list of all the things she's looking for, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe we'll we'll set you up. Um, yeah, I'm open to that. Or if you have again a single dad who will not physically harm my mom, uh, Dottie <laughs> is very much on the prowl. Um, thank you so much for joining us this week and diking out and dike out with us again next week. Bye. 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 How much does your mom not appreciate you saying Dottie's on the prowl? Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.